After seven days, the silence is finally broken. But it may have been better intact, because when Job's friends speak, they are the worst comforters that Job has ever had in his life. In this episode, we'll see the conversation between Job and his friends go from bad to worse. Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. Episode 18, Let's Chat. After Job wished that he was dead and that he didn't want anything to do with life, his friend Eliphaz, the Tamanite, replied to him. Remembering that Eliphaz was from Taman, which is the city that was known for its wisdom. He begins by stating that Job was a righteous man and points out multiple things that show that Job was indeed a righteous person. However, he was caught off guard by Job cursing his own life. Although he never came right out and said it, Eliphaz feared that because of this harsh curse that Job must have done something wrong to bring this type of judgment upon himself. Therefore, he tells Job to seek out the mercies of God so that he will be saved from his afflictions and goes on to tell Job of all the things that God can do for him and bless him when a person serves him. Eliphaz almost makes it out to seem that Job should repent of his unconfessed sin and serve God again so that he will be blessed once again. In a sense, Eliphaz partners with Satan because Satan accuses Job of only serving God for the things that he would do for him. Rather than just seeking God for himself, Eliphaz gives Job the counsel to seek God for blessings, thus missing out on the whole point that God created humans in the first place to have a relationship with him. Therefore, if Job had followed the advice of his friend, he would prove to Satan that he was right, but Job doesn't give in. Job knows that he didn't do anything wrong, that his conscience was clear from sin against God. Therefore, in his response to Eliphaz, Job claims that his friends are terrible comforters. He tells them that he has the right to complain about the pain and sorrow that he is in because of all the things that have happened to him, that he is in more toil than even slaves and hired workers. But after addressing his friends, Job then begins to talk to God, asking God how long he will look away from Job but then going another step forward and asking why God would do this to him, and that if he had sinned, to show him his wrong. Job would condemn his friends for thinking that he deserves what has happened to him, and then turns to God asking him why he has caused the suffering in his life to happen unjustly. Job's next friend, Bildad, will be the next one to respond to Job and what he had said. Just like Eliphaz, Bildad is shocked and angered by what Job has said. He would address Job in saying that God doesn't pervert justice, but that affliction only comes to those that don't seek God. Bildad says that his sons and daughters must have done something wrong to cause their death. So too, Job must have done something wrong as well. So Bildad encourages Job to repent and to seek God. However, Bildad's main points to Job were that God doesn't pervert justice, and that only the righteous get blessed and the wicked get punished. The issue with the point that the wicked get punished and the righteous only get blessed is that Job hadn't done anything wrong to deserve the affliction that he was in. So even though Bildad thought he was helping Job by pointing out that he must have done something wrong because of his affliction, but Job knew that this wasn't the case for that. Job would then respond to his friends once again, 
At the beginning of his response, Job agrees with his friend Bildad in saying that he knows that God is just and that he doesn't pervert justice because he is a just God. With that in mind, the picture that Job paints with his words is that of a courtroom in which God is the accuser and Job is the defendant. And because Job knows that God is just, he begins to ponder the thought of coming against God as a lawyer would defend his case against an accuser. But then again, he realizes that, well, God is God and Job is not. To which Job goes on to praise God for all the things that he has done by creating the heavens, by referring to the stars and planets. He can move mountains, he controls the sea, and he has victory over all of his enemies. In this conversation, Job has a hard time. He knows that he is not in the wrong and he wants to bring his case against God. However, he also knows that God is God and that Job wouldn't be able to answer him in all of God's wisdom, even though Job knew he was in the right. But during this time of going back and forth, Job begins to complain about God because he knew that if he went to court with God, he would lose, even though he was blameless. He complains that God would gladly allow the blameless to be swept away in his judgment on the wicked. This would be him challenging his friend's thought when they said that God was just and did not harm the righteous along with the wicked. As Job continues thinking about coming before God, he begins to think that his life is pointless. Wishing to have it just in would be so much better, in his mind, than to live through God's wrath. Job would then end his complaint by feeling that he has been punished by God wrongfully. And even though he wishes to bring his case before God, he is taken aback by how powerful God is. And even if he were to try to bring him to court, he would be beaten by the all-knowing and all-powerful God. Therefore, Job just resolves to complain about the life that he has and accuses God of not ruling justly. And he reminds God of his duty to take care of the things that he has created, including Job himself, and to grant him some relief before he dies. He then concludes that in order to bring his case before God, he would need some type of arbitrator to speak on behalf of Job to God, to present him innocent before him. After this, Zophar, Job's third friend, would speak up. Zophar doesn't try to comfort Job at all. In fact, he mostly attacks Job, saying that what Job is receiving in affliction is not nearly the amount that he deserves, as it is God by his mercies keeping the full weight of Job's affliction from reaching him. That because Job was such a wordy man, there couldn't be any way that Job was not in complete rebellion against God. Therefore, Zophar wishes that God would speak to Job, not as Job is wanting him to speak, as in a courtroom, but that he would instruct Job so that he would be corrected. He would then tell Job of how great God is, that even all the heavens and earth could not house him. So Zophar continues, calling for Job to repent rather than try to reason with God as in court. And if he repents, then Job would once again be restored. Just like Job's other friend, Zophar took up the place as Satan had done with God. Zophar is trying to get Job to repent from whatever wrong he has done so that he can be restored to what he once was, thus saying to seek God just for the things that you can get from him. At this point, Job has had enough of his friend's comfort, so to speak, sarcastically saying that their wisdom will die with them and that just like them, Job himself has a brain too. The reason that Job's friends were not the best of comforters is because they didn't actually comfort him at all. 
Rather, they kept putting him down, believing that he had some kind of secret sin in his life that he needed to repent of. But Job knew that he was not sinning in any way. His friends also sided with Satan by telling Job to simply repent and get right with God so that he could bless him again. So after telling his friends that they were no help, he takes up a new subject. And although Job would come back to his friends, he tells them that he will present his case before God without the help of them and saying that they have presented God in a false way. He then recognizes that God is the most wise. Even all of his creation speaks out of who he is. He then recognizes God as the Lord of everything, from light to darkness, the good and the bad. He is still on the throne. But with that, Job begins to search out an audience with God to present his case before him. He says that he has prepared his case and is now ready to come before God. Job comes to God asking why he has done such terrible things to him, asking God to show him his sin and rebellion, as well as to show himself and not to hide like Job was his enemy. But while asking God these questions, Job began to realize how small and powerless he was in comparison to God. After that brief moment of Job calling God to give an account of himself to Job, Job's friends will again try to comfort him. So again, Eliphaz will try to persuade Job that he is wrong, and that the wisdom that Job thinks that he has is nothing in comparison to his friend's wisdom, and that the words that Job is speaking are actually showing everyone that Job is supposedly a wicked man. Seeming to ignore his friends, Job continues to lament his life that he is living and wishes to have an audience with God. Yet he knows that he cannot come before the one true God and argue his case. Therefore, Job says something that is interesting. He says that he has a defender in heaven. Now, this could either be referring to how God is a just God, but is also a loving God as well, or it could be a prophetic reference to Jesus being a defender or mediator between us and God. Job says that his defender in heaven will be able to show Job's innocence and settle his case in favor of Job. This type of conversation with Job and his friends will continue as each one of them will speak to Job a total of two times, trying to convince him that he has done some type of wickedness to deserve all the affliction that he was facing, and that the wicked never last forever, and eventually they will be found out and punished for their deeds. Yet Job believes, in contrast, that the wicked do live good lives. They grow in wealth, their flocks increase, they see their children and grandchildren, Yet Job wonders why God doesn't punish them now for their deeds. As he quotes a proverb that he says that God punishes the wicked's children, why not punish the wicked in their day so that they could see it? Job will continue to call out God and his actions. Eventually, Job's friends will begin to accuse him of actions that he never did, such as things as robbing and mistreating the poor, causing orphans and widows to be sent away empty-handed all things that Job had no part in whatsoever, and again try to tell Job to repent and turn back to God so that Job will once again be blessed and be restored. But Job knows that he is not a wicked man and that he has been pursuing God. He begins to long to be able to present his case before God, yet Job is not able to find him in any of the directions, north, east, south, or west. But Job is terrified of coming before him with his case. But Job begins to realize that after he has come through his afflictions, he will come forth as pure gold. 
So join us next time as we look into the reply that God gives Job and the rebukes that are given to Job's friends in episode 19, Court is Adjourned. Thank you for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. Go ahead and rate and review it and be sure to subscribe to it and follow as well. For more ways to give feedback or to let us know how we're doing, check out the links in the show notes. And also be sure to share this show with your friends and family. Thanks. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.